1: Great to have you along. Libby will return tomorrow. She's observing the Jewish holiday today. In a few minutes, I want to get your take on a sad situation that has evolved in Toronto, the closing of Sufi's Restaurant on Queen Street West. The Syrian family who owns the popular restaurant decided to close it as a result of numerous hate messages and death threats they say they've received over the last week. If you'd like to comment, grab a line now at 416 3600740 Three six zero zero seven forty, or toll free 866 six seven forty four seven forty. First, though, Ontario's Minister of Long Term Care, Dr. Marilee Fullerton, joins us on Fight Back. Hello, Doctor. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How are you on this nice day?
2: (laughs) Very well, thank you.
1: You made a follow-up announcement this morning to a call for applications to build new long-term care beds and redevelop existing ones in Ontario. Can you tell us about this?
2: Well, our announcement this morning was for 200 new long-term care beds at the Runnymede Long-Term Care Home. And uh, we're really excited about working and collaborating with our long-term care sector. Uh, It's a sector that... uh, has really been neglected uh, for 15 years under the previous government. And we're really looking forward um, to getting these uh, these new beds allotted and uh, and open.
1: What does 200 beds mean to a single facility like Ronnie Mead? Well,
2: it's very significant um, because when we, we consider long-term care a really vital part of our, our public health care system, um, it allows people to get the care they need when they need it, it supports families, um who are caregivers many many, many times, many instances. And uh, we're really looking at an integrated system um, for communities so that we have the services for people, our most vulnerable people, um, so they get the care they need when they need it, and we are supporting our caregivers and families and and really integrating into the community. So it's a, it's a really positive, um, um, announcement this morning.
1: So Dr. Fullerton, help us understand 200 new beds. And, and it's good to use a microcosm like this Runnymede Center just to give us perspective. How many beds were there, uh, before the 200 were added and what kind of process was involved to make that happen?
2: Well, you know I just want to take a step back and look at the big picture mm-hmm. 36 thousand uh, people on a wait list for long-term care and and when you realize that our occupancy for long-term care homes is at 99 percent every bed is going to make a difference so those 200 beds are significant um, in the long-term care sector the running need um, hospital uh, provides rehab services uh, to to residents in and in the community as well so they're really um, a very vibrant part of, of that community. And the 200 beds are going to make a big difference in providing the access and the capacity uh, for people
1: who are waiting in the community. And how it's many beds vibrant. are there now with the 200?
2: Well, we've already allocated about half the beds of the 15,000 new long term care beds, as a promise of our government over five years. We've reached uh, almost 8,000 of those new beds being allocated. And, uh, we're very, feeling very positive that we've got momentum, but we're working very hard at the ministry to make sure that we're streamlining processes so that we can allow these beds, uh, to, um,
1: to be uh,
2: created um, their new beds, and we're redeveloping another 15,000 new long-term care beds.
1: Now, when um, you say you're accepting applications from current and potential operators to build these new beds, uh, how wh- what kind of reception have you received so far? Because that was from the 1st of October, that announcement.
2: Yeah, the, the October 1st call um, was for applications, uh, the new application process. We believe that um, it's simpler. We've been listening to the, the stakeholders um, across the sector and uh, really looking at understanding what their needs are. Realizing that uh, redevelopment in a rural community may be different from downtown Toronto, and downtown Toronto will will have its own uh, areas of concern. So getting that feedback from the sector and, and getting out and listening to um, our our long-term care home operators is really important.
1: And how will it work in terms of funding for these operators of long-term care beds? What, what percentage of funding can be expected to be received from the Ontario taxpayers?
2: Well, you know, to be clear, the $1.75 billion was allotted to create the 15,000 new long-term care beds. And we've already invested $72 million more in long-term care this year than last mm-hmm. year. So, so the the commitment is there. The, uh, we're also aware of the high wage transition fund and the structural com- compliance premium that were problematic in terms of uh, their possible ending. And we have carried those on into 2020 while well, we develop strategies to address the concerns of, of our sector.
1: I'm speaking with Ontario's Minister of Long-Term Care, Dr. Marilee Fullerton. It's Jane for Libby here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. We will be discussing this more later in the hour, Doctor, but I want to get your take now on this new report, which suggests long-term care costs in Canada will more than triple within 30 years, from $22 billion today to $71 billion by 2050. 2050. So when you hear that, what are your thoughts?
2: Well you know that it's a it's a very good report. It's something that we've actually known for a long time. We knew that the population was aging um, and the previous government did not prepare adequately in my opinion and uh, really neglected the sector. So we have an aging population with rising levels of, of cognitive issues like dementia or frailty. And uh, those people do need to be able to get the care they need when they need it. And understanding that we're only just beginning to age as a population. So it's critical that we understand how long-term care can be a really vibrant part of community uh, and communities across the province so that we can have um, active living centers that are integrated with long-term care homes so that we can have um, respite beds and day programs that are going to allow people to stay and live in their communities longer, but that they know when they need it and that their families, when they're uh, needing it too, to be able to support their their loved one um, in terms of transitioning into the long-term care system more more easily. So the community aspect of the integration is really important. We also know that we need to transition better from hospital to community and that includes to long-term care homes. So how do we make those processes easier mm-hmm. You know, with an aging population? Understanding that there are many new technologies that we can use to help people stay in their homes. It's an amazing time that we are facing along with these challenges but we have capacity um, to approach these in new ways using our technology and communication tools. So It's a a very vibrant um, sector, and I believe there's so much opportunity to expand um, and improve home care and community services that will allow long-term care homes to really serve uh, the people who really need it.
1: You say that we are behind um, on on planning for the need for this many long-term care beds. Uh, going forward and uh, from your perspective now, a year and a half into uh, the, the mandate by the new government, how far behind will we be in taking on this challenge? Well, the, you know,
2: the, the population is going to continue to age um, over the next 30, 40 years. So this is an ongoing challenge. Uh, and But we are committed, our government is absolutely committed to addressing it. That's why they created um, a standalone ministry for long-term care. And uh, have really looked at the commitment in terms of funding as well. But I believe it's very much a collaborative process to understand what our our long-term care home operators um, want to do. And I'm hearing from them that they're willing to provide more day programs, more respite, um, and be a real part of the community so that we can integrate into our our communities in a a more seamless and streamlined way so that people understand what's available in their communities as well. Doctor, thanks for
1: your time today. Thank you so much. Merrily Fullerton, Ontario Minister of Long-Term Care. And now we can have a longer conversation and discussion and get you involved as well about the rising costs of long-term care in Canada. toll-free 866 740 4740 How much are you paying if you're in long-term care? How much are you paying for a loved one or someone you may be caring for uh, who's paying for their own long-term care? We're interested to know how that fits into a budget, especially as time moves on. Uh, And according to the researchers at the National Institute on Aging, long-term care costs will More than triple within 30 years, from 22 billion today to 71 billion by 2050. Who's going to pay for this? Whether it's private money, public dollars, we clearly need to get prepared. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. On the line with us now is co-author Dr. Bonnie Jean McDonald and Ontario NDP health critic Franz Jelena. Welcome both. Hi, Jane. Doctor, I'll start with you, your findings and what it means to the Canadian seniors of the future, the the baby boomers, the younger baby boomers, even the Gen Xers.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, So we did a research report where basically we know that these demographics are coming, uh, but what does it actually mean in terms of dollars and cents? So this was the first study to do this, to look out over the next few decades and to understand how are these costs going to change for home care to the public purse, because what a lot of Canadians don't know is that uh, long-term care is paid out of general tax revenue. So that's our tax dollar year after year. And when I say long-term care, I mean nursing home as well as the home care. And not the part that Canadians are paid out of pocket, but the part that's being subsidized by the government. And what we found was that over the next uh, three decades, the cost will move from $22 billion to $71 And that's in today's dollars.
1: The seventy oh so oh, the 71 billion is today's dollars. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's you just keep, so it's, it's more, uh, so people
3: understand what that number means. So sure. we have it in today's dollars. And then on top of that, I think that that's clearly going to be a lot of pressure on taxpayers. But the bigger story is, is more that uh, baby boomers were the first generation to have few children. And in the past, uh, people would usually depend on their kids uh, when they became, you know, chronically disabled and they needed help in their homes. And actually, even today, 75% of all home care is being done by families. So the, really the bigger problem is the fact that there aren't going to be kids around to help out the way that they, they used to. And we're, the big question is, 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 how are we going to help support children who keep doing that for their parents and also for the people who don't have children to do that for them? Uh, that will be another cost. And we actually calculated it could be up to $27 billion extra billion to substitute for all the great care that kids do for their parents. And so really, the end of the story is that, you know, this is really time to get started. We need to start having a national conversation about this. And, you know, government and providers and provinces have to come together to think about this issue a little more deeply because time is ticking and we don't have a whole lot of time left. We should have started talking about this a decade ago, like Europe, but
1: it is what it is. (laughs) How did you arrive at this cost? I mean, how did you do the math?
3: Yeah, so to give you an idea, this took three years. Uh, so the the model we used was the best-in-class model. It's one of the best. Uh, it is the best in the world uh, in Canada for this, as well as one of the best in the world. It's a model that was developed at Statistics Canada over the last, uh, for about a quarter of a century. They took about 25 years. It was developed by some of the world's experts on po- uh, projecting populations. So basically what these models do is they uh, use a lot of complicated data uh, and math, and then we look out into the future and it tells us information about the future Canadian population. So it could be old age security, it could be Canada Pension Plan, it could be immigration. And in this case, we built onto the model so that we could also look at long term
1: care costs. So is it fair to say that if long term care costs are tripling, that the population will triple?
3: So it doesn't, it may not be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's going to also depend on a lot of other things. It's going to depend on how healthy people stay. And we do know that people are going to live longer, but we also, uh, the science says that people also live healthier longer. So it's not just the number of how many people there are. There's other factors. There's also a factor of how much do people get, uh, what are the costs of future long-term care? But that's another factor. Another factor is, of course, when do people end up dying? So there's, there's so many variables. And oh, yes, because people will
1: people will be living longer. That's right. So right. We use projections for using the Statistics
3: Canada, you know, the basically what the government projects the future to look like. Uh, so we use all the very uh, standard assumptions on these very complicated projections uh, to come up with, you know, a reasonable view of the future if Canada stays on the
1: current path that it's on. Right. I was looking at some Stats Canada numbers uh, recently uh, and reaffirming that centenarians are the fastest-growing demographic in Canada. Yeah, it is. Very interesting. So, as we think about the future and preparing for this cost, Doctor, before we go to Franz Jelena, what is your advice to baby boomers and Gen Xers to prepare for this? Doctor McDonald. Hello. Oh, did, oh yes. Hi. Can oh I yeah. think I think we left. We left, did we lose the doctor? No, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying. Yeah. What is your advice to baby oh, boomers advice? and Gen Xers?
3: So for baby boomers, the advice is really to uh, to always plan. We should plan anyway. Most baby boomers will stay healthy for most of their retirement, but some won't. And it's always good to plan to know well, what what are my expectations if if this was to happen. Uh, to have these conversations with their families and to also think, well, you know, where would I like to end up if, that's, if that situation happens to me? So just to kind of plan. But really, this is going to be more of a, a public policy issue because, again, it's not going to happen to all baby boomers, but the, the people it does happen to it can become very expensive. And also, we know that it's going to be a lot of pressure being put on working Canadians, who are going to be caring for for older Canadians. So we need to think up new programs that are going to support caregivers uh, much more than it has in the past, because it just will not be sustainable.
1: Okay, let's go to Franz Jelen and now the NDP health critic. And we had Dr. Marilee Fullerton, the Ontario Minister of Long-Term Care, on the show at the top of uh, just after 12 today. Uh, Franz, what about the public long-term Care piggy bank uh, when we're looking this far into the future?
4: Well, um, I agree with what the the report and the study showed that if we keep on doing the same thing, it's going to go from 22 billion to 71 billion, which uh, those are big, big numbers with many, many zeros. And you add to this, You can go in a room full of seniors and you ask them how many of you is looking forward to going into a long-term care home and not one hand goes up. So we have a system in place right now that the baby boomers do not want, do not like, and that will cost $72 billion. Is this not impetus enough to look at at new public policies that will better meet the needs of the people and that, that we could do at a better price. Um, so what would, you, pro- what would you propose? There are many other models that exist. I can tell you, and uh, the report makes allusion to that, uh, that in Europe, they started to plan for the baby boomers way before us. And they also made the decisions to not build any more long-term care homes. There are a few old ones still remaining. No new one, nobody wants to go there. There are other mother models that exist uh, that is more communal uh, living where people continue to be part of their community. People continue to be uh, part of society. We have a lot to learn from seniors. Um, if it's just learning empathy and remembering the past and, and learning to be respectful, uh, those are all things that every senior can teach us. And they are it, models uh-huh. uh, that are more respectful, where you live in a home that looks like a home, smells like a home, feels like a home, and, and where you can support people a whole lot uh, more closer to what their wishes are than putting them in a 400-bed long-term care home uh, waiting for them to pass.
1: I agree with you. That sounds much more pleasant when I think about myself. 30 years down the road. But but wouldn't that cost more to have those kinds of facilities? It doesn't. And uh, I mean, they exist. I've visited some of them while I was in
4: Europe. Uh, they exist. People like them. So you live in your house. So you still have to pay rent. You still have to pay for hydro. You still have to pay for your phone like you do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the government uh, often ends up uh, investing into affordable housing in places where um, uh, rent is very high, which is something we have a federal election right now, something that that is being talked about by by some of the parties, and 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 you support people where they are. And uh, she is right that if you look at who are the caregivers right now, uh, they tend to be family members and sometimes a a good neighbors, and that's about it. Uh, but the models that we are looking at where small homes, then everybody becomes a caregiver. Um there are students who happens to go to school who can come and help. You are part of your community. Uh you live with four or five other peoples, usually they're people you knew from before or people that are related to you. Um uh, Maybe you're not able to walk anymore, but you're still able to peel potatoes and set the table. And the next guy is not able to wash dishes, but he's able to go on the computer and pay bills.
1: No, I I appreciate the picture you're painting, and it it does make more sense. We're talking about the rising cost of long-term care, as in... Triple what it is now, from 22 billion to 71 billion by the year 2050. And discussing this with us is co-author Dr. Bonnie Jean McDonald, along with Ontario NDP Health critic Franz Jelena. we uh, will pick up where we left off there before the break. Uh, res- your response to what the PC government is doing so far? Marilyn Fullerton, the Ontario Long Term Care Minister, was on. She says that to date, after only being uh, in power for the last year and a half. Almost 8,000 new beds have been created. They're uh, following through on their commitment to build a total of 15,000 new beds and redevelop 15,000 existing beds. Your thoughts on on how they're moving on this so far?
4: Well, first of all, they haven't opened 8,000 new beds. They have announced 8,000 new beds and they are committed to 15,000. I'm not opposed to this. But this is doing the same thing. And if we continue doing the same thing, we will end up with a $71 billion bill uh, that is pretty high for something that people don't want. Nobody wants to go into a long-term care home. It is time to give it, to make long-term care a priority Um I know that it's not sexy. I know that it doesn't grab headlines unless it's for the wrong reason. But it's still important. And the government has to look at it as more than we will make 15,000 new beds. There's already eight thirty-eight thousand people waiting for those beds. Um, those beds will come in seven, you know, three, five, seven, ten years from now. Uh, God knows how long the wait list will be by then. Why don't we, there are bright people in Ontario, uh, that, uh, see this as the emergency that it is, that can put their heads together to bring forward models that people look forward to, that is respectful of elderly people and that gives them the care they need in a setting, uh, that is a a whole lot more welcoming than uh, 128 or 400 and something uh, dead home.
1: And I want to get Dr. McDonald's uh, thoughts on that in response to that. But Mary in Burlington wants to get in on the conversation. Mary, go ahead. We're quickly running out of time here.
4: Okay, I won't be long. Long Long-term care has become commercialized, over-commercialized. Unfortunately, it's the elderly who now have to pay the cost. It's a crying shame. After doing what they've done for their country, they must now be dragged through the mud and belittled due to lack of help for them.
1: Mary, are you one of those people who needs some help? Uh, No, not yet, but I'm in that age group. Yes. But
4: I know I was told recently about one place here in Burlington what the cost is has gone up to be, and i'm as I say, i'm in that age group, and um, i it's not it's not a pleasant road to be looking down.
1: no, it absolutely isn't, uh, especially when so many of us will be going down that road over the next thirty years. Thank you for calling in Mary you're welcome. Uh, doctor, um, just to reply to what Franz Jelena was saying about getting smart people together and developing a, a new system going forward, presumably you would be one of these experts. Uh, what would you suggest? How, how how do we take the next step?
3: Right. So I think now that we, we understand the cost, uh, and, and as was said, it, it's not really something that's in the headlines, although... People experienced it personally. We, we see hallway medicine. People are now experiencing it firsthand with their own families. The pressures that are going to build and these pressures are just going to get much, much worse. And as the caller just identified, Canadian seniors themselves will not be, have the money to pay out of pocket for this as well. So this idea that the baby boomers themselves can pay for it, this is just not realistic. This has to be done at a national level, at a provincial level. It needs to be a government initiative. They need to, we need to really, you know, just start working because we are really behind the curve, but nevertheless, it's never too late to start, and uh, we need to start now. So the way that would happen is, as as was said, the providers come together um, like a national senior strategy where the, the federal government, Staff Canada is involved because we need better data. We need more standardized data from each province so we can get a better handle on these costs. Uh, this was a major challenge in the project because it is provincial uh, legislate um uh, it, it is provincially uh, delivered so it was really challenging to even get good numbers around around the problem but now that we have numbers yes. let's move forward with this information how can we change it we do not have to go down this path there's a lot of alternative models that are not only better for the seniors more supportive of the families but it actually will cost less money well so, it's uh,
1: certainly yeah sorry yeah. No, not that. It's it's it is an ongoing conversation here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back, and I thank you both for adding to it. You're very welcome, Dr. Bonnie Jean McDonald, co-author of the report on the rising costs of long-term care, and Ontario NDP health critic Franz Jelena.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.